0: Good evening. It is so good to be together this evening. If you're a guest with us again, we welcome you. If you will be, open your Bibles to Mark, the first chapter. That's page 882 in the Bibles that's in your pews. We will not have slides tonight, but we will be in the book of Mark probably the very whole time. And so I encourage you to open your Bible. We're going to study some great passages about our Lord and Savior. And uh, let's do that along together. Let's study together. 882 in the Bibles in the pew or in the book of Mark in your own Bible. Allow me to kind of catch up. You know, last last Sunday was a wonderful, wonderful family day. Scott Ballard did a tremendous job and we are so indebted to Greg Coles for his great leadership of this day. He planned it and executed it so well as usual and it's a lot of work to that as you can imagine and it was a tremendous uh, day all the way around from the the, the uh, worship time together as well as the time of fellowship and, and then Uh, worshiping that night underneath the tent we just appreciate everyone that invited it was great to see so many guests and it was great to be able to make that connection uh, with with individuals and plant seeds in lives and let's continue to pray uh, that good will come from our own families and from those families that were guests on that day also we're also so thankful that that very same weekend the hispanic Uh, ministry had a very, very successful campaign. And as you know, we talked about folks coming in from other states, even to help with that. And so many of you housed individuals, you brought food and it was just a wonderful success all the way around. And we look forward to the good that continues to come out of uh, that particular campaign. And another thing that we need to continue uh, to be praying about also, we're also thankful for the work day that took place here uh, that last Saturday, uh, a week ago from yesterday, and a lot of good was done. If you would have walked in here, uh, I walked in this room very, very early that sunday morning and and you could just smell the cleanliness it was It was really, really uh, just a good feeling to to, to walk across a, a parking lot and see. Uh, the, the areas that had been cleaned and, and the mulch had been put down and the pressure washing had been done and walk through the building and notice and smell uh, the difference. And uh, that's what it takes in any of the places where we work or worship or live. It just takes time uh, of cleaning sometime. And I say that, but don't look at my office. And, and so uh, we're thankful for the ones that were able to be a part of that and do that. Also, let me just mention to you uh, an experience and just so you can see it kind of through what I experienced so that you can uh, thank God for it. Uh, Friday night, David Berka turned 80. Uh, No, it was, I believe it was his 60th uh, birthday. And and so there was a surprise party that primarily was, was his Bible class. And it was so wonderful to see that age of families in our congregation and the love that they have for the elder that has taught them for so many years, and to just uh, hear uh, the praise that they have for him. It's just beautiful to watch. It's, it's wonderful to see God's family together and, and the interaction of intergenerations and, and encouraging each other. And then, at the very same time, there's a retreat taking place of the young Marys. And so Saturday morning, went over and spent a few hours, uh, Tracy and I did, with that group. And, and just sat among them and to observe what strong young families we have and, and their devotion to each other and to God. And it was just one of those things, by Saturday afternoon, it's kind of like just walking on clouds. It, it really is a reminder of how blessed we truly are I want to just real quickly remind you of three things I mentioned this morning. Do keep in mind the Father-Son retreat that's this coming weekend. Keep in mind the Recovery Through Christ Friday night programs uh, that will uh, begin this Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then also keep in mind that we are the sermon day. We strive to speak the truth in every way. But let's make sure that our actions teach and preach a powerful message this next Sunday. And so beginning with your Bible class, or if you don't know exactly where to get involved, uh, please let us know. Several are doing that, and we want to do that. We want to help you. We simply want to do good and give God all the glory. Who is this Lord Jesus? He's not just another one. He is the one. He is the only one who can forgive sins. You know, when we think about great ones that have lived in in this earth, we could name, and any of us could say, here are whom I would believe to be some of the greatest people that have ever lived. What would your list look like? But like that list wouldn't compare to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy One of Israel. No one else compares. I think about the Swedish soccer player that I watched earlier this year on on a uh, video. And, and when I watched it, it was one of those things where, honestly, I couldn't catch it the first time. And I had to go back and re-watch it because I thought, I don't know what I just saw. And, and it was a penalty goal that he was kicking. And I don't know if I can explain this for, for it to make sense to you. But when he kicked the ball, naturally, you start watching the ball. In one motion, he never stopped his kicking motion. He just went into a backflip. And then as he's landing the backflip, he's watching his ball go in and he's celebrating. And it was like it was all one movement. It's the kick, the backflip, the celebration. And, and you know, if, when the first time you went, watch it, you're like, that didn't happen. I don't know what I thought I saw, but that's not r- possible. And then you go back and you slow it down and you click through it. And you're like, that's amazing. What's the point? That day, I'm sure that that Swedish player could walk off the field and say, I'm the man. There's nobody here that can do that. You can go ahead and line up and try. I am the only one that can do that here. You know what? He's probably right. There, there's probably not anyone close around him that could do that. But you know what? You give somebody enough time and resources and training, and they'll be able to do it. Evil Knievel, when I was young, Evil Knievel was the man. There were so many things that he tried, he attempted, and some of it he actually succeeded. And you think how many times he could have said, I'm the only one that could do that. Well, unless you gave other people the same resources and the same opportunities, and there would be others that would be able to do the same thing. Friends, do you realize that there's a purpose in the Gospels? And one of the great works that's accomplished within the Gospels is that it is the reminder to us that our Lord is just not one of the great ones. He's not just one of the the individuals that could accomplish something that few others could accomplish. What we see in the Gospels is the revealing of the Holy One of Israel. Tonight, if you have your Bibles open, I'd like for you to notice how the book begins. First chapter first verse, what is Mark telling us about? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark begins by saying, I want to give you gospel. What's gospel? Gospel's good news. I want to give you the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, this isn't just any Jewish man that's named Jesus that you might want to exalt and glorify in some way. This is the Jesus Christ. And to make sure you're really clear on this, that it is the Son of God. And for the rest of the book, he gives us the good news about the Jesus Christ who is the Son of God. And as a matter of fact, most of the first chapter, the emphasis is up on the fact that he is the one. For example, Jesus describes John the Baptist as the greatest prophet that's ever lived. But do you remember how John, the greatest prophet who has ever lived, described Jesus? Glance down to verse 7 and notice what he says. This is what he is saying about Jesus. And he preached saying... There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. John, you are one, according to Jesus, you're the greatest prophet that's ever lived. He said, let me tell you, let me tell you about one that is so great, I'm not even worthy to touch his sandals. Who is this one? Well, Even the demons knew who this one was. When you glance down in verse 21, you see that Jesus went into Capernaum. And it's on that day that he's going to reach out and he's going to help this man in 23 that has an unclean spirit. But notice what the unclean spirit is going to say in 24. He says to Jesus, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Get this, the unclean spirit even knew of of the deity and humanity of Jesus in one being. The unclean spirit really knew it. The unclean spirit said, oh, you're Jesus of Nazareth. I know you are, but I also know you're much more than that. I know that you are human, but I also know that you're deity. You are the Holy One. You see, over and over in the book, but especially in this chapter, we are going to be introduced and reintroduced and reintroduced to make sure that it's very clear to us that we know who Jesus is. But the one that I want you to see at the beginning of this book, that's going to be the first part of our bookends, I want you to notice probably the best introduction Jesus ever had. We just mentioned there in verse 7, about him approaching John the Baptist. Remember, he wanted John to baptize him. And from another gospel, we are informed that John did not feel worthy to do that, but yet Jesus insisted. And so it's in this act that we see Jesus identifying himself with humanity. Jesus did not need to be baptized for the sake of repentance. He had no sins to repent of, but he was going to obey what God asked him to do because he was human and because he was identifying himself even with mankind to carry the sins of mankind. And so notice, let's read 9, 10, and 11. Verse 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting. Now I want you to note that word they're parting. We're going to come back and kind of make a big deal about that in just a moment. So he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine this? Picture this in your mind. Imagine yourself being John the Baptist. Here comes the one that you know. You're not worthy to even touch his shoe. And and he says... I want you to baptize me. I'm not worthy of that. I want you to do it. And as he's holding our Lord and bringing him up out of the water, the heavens are torn. The Greek word here is to tear. Tear. Like it did, it, the Greek here is not the heavens were open. In other words, I could take a jar and I could take the top off of it and lay it here and we could say, that jar is open. That's not the Greek word here. It's not that it was open. It's not that, well, they were parted. Part of the heavens were over here and part. That's not the Greek word. Friends, the Greek word is to rent or to tear. And so here, here is, is John baptizing Jesus and the heavens tear. And you can imagine, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. And through that rip in the heavens, you hear this voice. He's identifying and He's giving an evaluation. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I know many of us have grown up for most of our life, hearing the name Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to remind us from the Word of God how important Jesus Christ is. Do you know the Holy One of Israel? Do you know the One that when the heavens were torn open, it was to introduce to mankind... That this isn't just any man that's being baptized. This isn't just any man that is going to begin another ministry. This isn't just another prophet that's going to start another work. This is the Son of God. And God is well pleased with Him. Now when we go through the Gospel of Mark, we see many powerful miracles that Jesus did. If, if you just turn your pages, if you have any kind of chapter headings or paragraph headings, you see things like Him he- healing the paralytic in the second chapter. But then when you come to the fourth chapter, you see those great teachings of the parables. And then when you get to the fifth chapter, you see more miracles. Uh, even we see the res- restoration of life that He's able to give. But then we come to the 8th chapter, and we see this need again to make clear, who is this one? And you remember when Jesus asked Peter, "Who, who are people saying that I am? And you remember in 27, 28, and 29, you remember Peter's answer is, you are the Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you remember just a few verses later in the ninth chapter, Jesus is going to invite just the closest three up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And there... There, they're going to see something that they probably don't know exactly how to behold it. But there, they see Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And you remember, Peter is so excited that he says things that he shouldn't have said. He said, Let's build three temples. And you remember, God spoke again. Do you remember that in verse 7 of the ninth chapter? The cloud came over and overshadowed them. And you can imagine the other two disciples are like, Peter, you're doing it again. Look at this. You spoke up and now God is getting right on top of us. This is not a good sign. God is going to make sure that Peter knows. And I think this is a follower of Jesus. This is an apostle of Jesus. But what is God? What is Jesus making sure of? And, and that's where if you say tonight, David, why are you preaching to us on this? We know who Jesus is. Do we really know? Are we really convicted? Will it change the way you live tomorrow because you know who Jesus is today? Listen, in my mind, if he's just a great religious figure, if he's just somebody that I go to as a moral guide from time to time, if he's somebody that I just make reference to in my life from time to time, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is to be the one that we give our all. He is to be the one that is on our hearts and our minds in everything that we think, say, and do. And so God speaks up again from the heavens and he says at the end of seven, this is my beloved son, hear him. Do you hear him? I'm not talking about miraculously, you lay your head on your pillow. I'm not talking about miraculously like that. I'm talking about from a submissiveness standpoint. Do you hear Him? Do you hear His will? And are you grateful when you hear it? Or is there a streak of rebellion? Now let's put the other book in into place. Let's go to the end of the book. Matthew the 15th chapter. By this time Jesus has faced His Gethsemane. He's given the kiss of betrayal. His beard has been plucked out. Thorns have been crushed into his brow. His back has been ripped open with scourgings. He's been spit upon, mocked, and hit. He's been blindfolded. He has been tortured. A cross has been laid on his back. And now he finds his his way all the way to Golgotha. And there we pick up in verse 33. Now when the sixth hour had come, Matthew 15, I'm sorry, Mark the 15th chapter. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now let's skip down and see a second miracle in 38. Then the veil of the temple was torn. Note that word, torn. The veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom So when the centurion, who stood opposite Jesus, opposite him, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. The bookends of God tearing. The word torn there. The same Greek word. I'm not saying to you it's similar. I'm not saying it carries with it a a, a very similar meaning. I'm talking the same word. God at the beginning tore open the heavens and said, My son is about to begin his earthly ministry and I want you to know something. It's my son, and I'm well pleased with him. And now he's toward the very end of his earthly ministry, and now God says, I'm going to tear open the most holy place. Now that my son has died, everybody has a right to come to me through him. You don't have to go through a high priest into the most holy place only once a year on the Day of Atonement into the mercy seat of God. Now everybody, everybody that approaches me through my Son, they can approach me through Jesus directly. Why? Because Jesus is not just anyone. And He's not just a great one. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the only one in which we can find forgiveness of sins. But note this. Who declared this time? The first time it was the Father saying... This is my beloved son. And at the end, who was it? Of all people, it was a sinner. A centurion. A Gentile. A Roman leader in an army. A man who would have been in charge of a hundred individuals. A hundred soldiers. Now wait a minute. Do you remember back here? John had Jesus in his hands. And he saw the heavens torn open and the Spirit come down. He heard the voice of God. And this man, it very well may have been that earlier that day, Jesus was in His hands. It may have been this man that held Jesus to the cross as He nailed nails through his hands. It may have been this man that helped pick up that cross and heave it into the hole for it to find the bottom and jar our Lord into place. It was this man that had control at that sight of our Lord. But what did he see? He saw the four miracles or at least would have seen parts of them and probably heard of of others. We've already read the one back in 33. He saw it go dark from noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. How uncommon would that be? This man is dying, and his reaction has been so meek. Everything that he's done has been righteous. As a matter of fact, he might have heard. What might have he have heard? He might have heard words from that cross, words of mercy. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Words of grace. This day you shall be with me in paradise that he said to a thief. words of compassion as he would look down to his best friend and to his mother and tell John to take care of his mother as if she were his mother words that would reveal a spiritual battle my god my god why have you forsaken me words that would reveal his humanity a thirst Words that would reveal the victory. Not, I quit, it's over. But he cried out, it is finished. His whole purpose of coming to this earth, the Holy One had a purpose, he had a reason. Remember this morning, he said, I've come to serve and to give my life a ransom for mankind. He had reached that point. He'd done all of this without sinning. He remained the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he cries out, it is finished And then as he looks back up into heaven, into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. And this man, this man that may have literally held our Lord that day, this man that would have seen the miracles of of the darkness, he would have seen the earth quaking, maybe he even saw those who were resurrected and still in their tombs, and probably had heard word, you're not going to believe this. You know that veil in the temple? You know that huge, thick veil in the temple? You know the one that no man can can see behind it and live? Yes, yes, I know that veil. It's torn, and it wasn't from the bottom up either. God tore that veil, and you know what? Nobody died. Can you imagine all of this running through his mind? And what does he do? Truly, that man was the Son of God. Friends, in the second chapter, we are reminded why we need to know this man. In Mark, the second chapter, the paralytic is brought... And not only is he given the ability to walk again... But before that, in verse 5, Jesus says, verse 5, he saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now some of the scribes were sitting there and they reasoned in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? And who can forgive sins but God alone? In that one verse, we have a lie and the truth. See, the first part was a lie. He wasn't speaking blasphemy. And the last part was truth. Only God can forgive sins. And so in other words, to prove to them that he is God and that he is the one that can forgive sins, he asked them, notice they've just reasoned this in their heart. And so he answers their reasoning without them ever saying anything out loud. And so he says to them in verse 8, but immediately when Jesus perceived the spirit that they reasoned thus with themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Listen, anybody can say to another person, your sins were forgiven, but that doesn't mean it's so. And so he says, I can prove to you that my words have truth. Take up your bed and walk. And this paralytic gets up and walks and he says, Now I tell you just as truthful, his sins are forgiven. Friends, do you know that individual? Does that individual rule and reign in your life? This book is a beautiful gift to us in so many ways and so many reasons. But there's nothing more beautiful than this book not only introduces us to Jesus, But this book reveals to us why He is so important that He must have the preeminence in our lives. Tonight, do you know Him? Do you know Him in a way that He is preeminent in your life? He rules and He reigns. And if you don't know Him in that way you still don't know Him the way He was intended to impact your life. Tonight, if there's anything that Jesus can do for you, He says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Tonight, we extend the Lord's invitation. There's nobody here that has the power to forgive you of your sins. But we know the one who can. And if you're ready to submit your life to Him, and if we can help you in any way, come as we stand.